Sail Pensacola is about the business and fun of sailing on the Pensacola Bay. My name is Tim Reichon, and today I will talk to Harvey Gendry of Beefoil about their new 16-foot carbon foiling catamaran. Why? Because sailing is our business. We are less than two weeks away from the AC-37 preliminary regatta, which will be sailed in Barcelona on the foiling AC-41 design monohull. And we just finished about two months ago, the 10th annual foiling week at Garda that is still generating a stream of spectacular video and images of racing classes that included the Moth, Wasp, ETF-26, Wing Foil, 69F, Flying Phantom, IQ Foil, and the Sumoth. Not all sailing is foiling, but foiling has certainly captured a new design and performance trajectory in our sport that appears to be surging with no end in sight. Against that backdrop, Beefoil introduced their foiling carbon 16-foot catamaran to an enthusiastic field of performance-focused sailors. When you scan the brochure of this boat, the coalescence of certain terms catches your attention. Carbon, foiling, Convertible and catamaran are the descriptors we haven't seen wrapped into a single craft. To dig into these features, we reached out to Harvey Gendry of Beefoil. He agreed to visit Pensacola on September 16th to present this boat in person, and we'll chat today about what has gone into the design and philosophy of Beefoil. Welcome Harvey Gendry of Beefoil, and congratulations on such an exciting and successful event at Foiling Week. Thank you, Tim. Thank you very much. I'm excited to uh, have this opportunity with the uh, Pensacola Sailing Association and uh, share more about uh, the current BFOIL 16 Carbon and our plans to grow this uh, company and uh, and participate to this very exciting uh, industry. Thanks, Harvey. It's great to see you. I just wanted to have you talk a little bit about your sailing interest, your background and then how you became involved with Beefoil. So my my sailing experience go way back. You know, when I, I turned uh, 15, uh, all my friends had motorbikes uh, back in France, and my dad said, you know, I, I'm not ready to buy you a motorbike, but you like sailing, I, I buy you a sailboat. And uh, I was fortunate enough to have a 505 as a first boat and uh, started sailing and racing. and. Uh, I joined a business school which was running a sailing race, uh, which was the largest and still is the largest student sailing race in Europe, and uh, joined the uh, racing committee and got trained. And when I uh, finished and graduated from this uh, business school, my first investment was buying a boat with a friend. So we bought a 30-foot half-toner sailboat and raced in uh, the rock race in uh, in the UK for several years. And we actually participated to four uh, Fastnet races uh, with a class finish of uh, four, uh, fourths as our best result. And we got two more boats. We went up to 35 foot uh, size. And uh, at some point I lived Europe for Asia and we sold the boats and I started uh, sailing laser. Uh, and uh, sailing with uh, the team, uh, the sailing team in Singapore, uh, 
and uh, sailing in later in the U.S. where we moved in uh, the early 2000 and uh, had the chance to live on a lake in Austin and do a lot of racing every week and one design 11 meter and JD and all kind of boats and I'm now living in Minnesota and I'm finally managed to combine my passion with business which is better late than ever you know sometimes some people leave their passion in their job the entire uh, their entire life but I was I was a 3M executive and I always kept sailing in the back of my mind so uh, I have uh, I'm a co-owner in a 55 foot uh, catamaran we sailing in the Caribbean kind of stop racing um at uh, at a high level I still uh, still do a little bit of informal racing you know what we call beer can in the US and in 2017 I uh, for a friend I had the opportunity to meet uh, the founder of Bfall at the uh, Nautic uh, show in Paris and I went on the booth and I loved what they were doing and the way they were doing it. And um, they asked me to join the board and uh, I did it taking, I would say, a more operational role in international development, um, especially uh, the US and uh, also helping in a couple of areas in Europe and, uh, and Asia. And uh, it's been five years. Um, it's our third boat. And uh, it's probably the one that is the most uh, uh, advanced, and uh, I would say uh, the best, uh, the best boat in terms of product. And uh, so that's uh, that's a little bit of my background and background with with Bfall. I also have to say, the Bfall Strategic Board is incredibly strong. It looks like the board of a much bigger company, and it's a fun board to work with because they are very operational. Um, they are not very high level. Um, they can be high level, but they are hands-on, and uh, they're really helping in the development of the company. You know, it's it's a very good, very strong startup board with some actually some very famous uh, personalities, including the former um, president of Renault Formula One uh, team, who won eleven uh, world championships with um with uh, alan prost and uh, elton senna and a couple of other drivers and uh, the guy is uh, 78 years old uh, and he's, he's still working i think he'll work his entire life and he's working on a couple of uh similar projects and um, it's uh, fantastic to have him and his experience on board Fantastic. What is the history of Beefoil as a brand? How did they get started and, and what was the earlier boats before the Carbon 16? So the the founder of Beefoil is a serial entrepreneur, uh, Benjamin Magnana. Is, uh, uh, he actually has a, a, a pioneer of aviation uh, the second man who fly after Louis Blériot in, in France and the UK was um, a, a maniac. And Benjamin's kind of his pioneer spirit anchored in in, uh, in in him. And he he's always thought about the foiling boat. So he had the lab boats called Voile Avion, which means uh, actually uh, flying boats, you know, or of... Or, or, uh, 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 airplane boat 
and and it was it was the initial platform for Bfoil. Uh, the idea for Bfoil was, you know, two T foil uh, being foil, and the brand would kind of naturally we're looking for a brand which could travel better than Voilavion, <laughs> a, a, a brand that would look uh, that would look uh, international. And the first boat we developed was actually a rotor-molded boat, 16-foot boat for sailing school, which sold pretty well. Um, but the issue was actually the boat was stretching the capabilities of rotor-molding. Um, it was a little too heavy um, and, and it was a little too flexible for the speed we attained with the boat. So we got a couple of 20, 25 knots uh, runs with the boat. And it was starting to, it was starting to bend. Uh, it was not doing very, very well under very, very warm weather. Um, it was becoming a little soft, and uh, so we decided to look into a higher hand boat, and we built a default Sport, which was a, a glass fiber boat in 2021, which was elected of a, a small catamaran of the year by Multiroad Magazine in 2021. And uh, we realized we had to race. And the idea came to create a boat that would combine F-16 and Foley. So the pinnacle of the 16-foot catamaran, but quickly convertible. So you could race in F-16 class at any level. You could win. Um, and then you could transform the boat in 30 minutes as in a foiler and go, and go foily. Or you would only buy the boat with foiling options, if and uh, and and keep in mind that at some point or the day there is no wind, you could go uh, with a traditional Archimedean boat. And uh, so that's what we've done, and we've kind of optimized it for both to the point where the boat sailed very well uh, with the dagger boards. Uh, it, it it was vice champion uh, Europe been vice champion just a couple of months ago and it's and it, the boat is foiling at 25 knots you know and our idea is actually to bring it to 30 knots we kind of reaching the limit of the t foil so we we're thinking into an option at some point where we would have l foil to go really fast but obviously we would lose a little bit of stability so we don't want to lose the idea the dna of the boat which is a very high performance boat, but also a very accessible boat. And uh, it has to remain like this. That really does seem to be one of the most exciting things about it is to be able to get on the boat without some of the technical challenges of a boat that doesn't have T-foils all the way around and pretty much sails flat. It's a pretty interesting design and very exciting. Yes. Um, so the company is based in Lorient. Lorient is uh, kind of the European hub for offshore racing. Um, most of the largest uh, IMOCA team, the Ultim boat, the Ocean 50, the uh, Mini are based in Lorient. All the big team are, are based there, including you know, the American team who won the Ocean Race. Um, 11th Hour Racing, they were based in Lorient and and had all the support of uh, of uh, of the team there. It's a former submarine base that has been transformed into an offshore racing hub. Very impressive facility. So we we designing and assembling the boat there, 
the hulls are manufactured in Portugal, um, initially at a company that has made a lot of uh, uh, high volume uh, sailboat and kayak. And the sail, um, the I would say, um, the um, um, uh, low end sails are built in Portugal, and uh, the higher end racing sails are uh, built in France. Most of uh, the hardware is coming from Arken. Uh, it's typically an Arken boat, which makes it a little more expensive. Uh, but we think what they are, the hardware they are developing is so good uh, that um, it, it's uh, it, it's uh, it's hard to uh, it's hard to lower expectations. Um, the foil are coming from France or Switzerland, depending on of of the. Uh, depending of uh, of uh, the timing and um and so is the mast the mast is also uh, coming from from france are the foil and mast fabrications uh describable or specified in such a way that you can get more than one manufacturer to build them yes and we had to because uh, one of the issue at the launch of bfoil uh one year ago just after covid was we couldn't get enough mind share from the supplier base. Right after the Vendée Globe uh, in 2022, there was about 12 or 30 new 60-foot Imoca boats being built in France. And uh, when we were looking at um, the email list where you know, the, the CEO of this foil uh, company uh, was apologizing for being late there was only big sailing teams or or big uh, board brands you know Beneteau and all the and so we thought um we're not going to be served well we, we're too small you know we're building 10 20 boats uh initially and and then they had this five million project um and so we were kind of diversified our supplier base um we have also built a couple of hulls in France. Um, we are even we have mold set now in Lorient. We are even thinking we could mold the glass fiber boat in Lorient. Um, we have enough space, so um, we're looking into we we very flexible. We had to be very flexible. The industry is growing 20 percent a year uh, with a small base, and I'm going to probably upset some people, but. I, the supplier base is not always as professional as we could expect. You know, I'm coming from the electronics industry and and it's not always as professional as we could uh, we could expect. And so we we have to be uh, we have to be flexible with our supplier base. Is that the professionalism side of it is it related to the quality of the product or is it more the supply chain side of of de delivery? No, it's more service lead time, you know, as, as you said, supply chain, uh, supply chain lead time, response time, sharing problems, uh, responding to email, um, meeting commitments. Um, and, um, you know, and, and I'm sure the big selling team have a lot of project manager working on that. Um, and and what's good is I, I believe we are all um, improving the capabilities and and. and making this uh, supplier segment more professional over time.
I, I think the expectations are are high and uh, they have to they have to comply. It seems that the demand for their product is only growing at probably now an exponential rate as more and more companies and designers enter the market space with new designs there will be even more demand for their product how are they how are they going to expand fast enough to keep up with that demand so few of them uh, you know uh, the largest uh, shipyard actually have um, raised funds or or been acquired by by larger company uh, in the last uh, in the last um, uh, 12 18 months so CDK and Multiplast are the largest uh, boat builder uh, in 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 France and in Europe, um, and they've recently raised uh, raised funds to support their expansion. Um, the foil company are also facing very strong demand, also demand coming from other segments like mobility segments, you know, electric mobility, and uh, b- beside uh, racing and and entertainment. Um, so I, I think everybody is kind of a development mode right now. And, and obviously, at some point, the industry will see in the industry what we've seen in other segments, which is some uh, some concentration. And the big uh, brand, the big shipyard like, uh, uh, you know, Veneto and Geno in France and uh, and uh, Hunter in the U.S. and, and uh, Grand Soleil in Italy, they'll eventually enter into enter foiling um maybe through mna you know i uh, so we'll we'll also be there when when the time is right you know it, it's uh i i think um this will require uh, significant funding and footprint over time do you think that there's any chance of the u.s getting into the fabrication game we seem like we're quite removed a little bit uh, non-competitive really no no development well not much development in boat building and fabrication is that something that as the market of consumers for these products expands in the u.s there will be a a growth of fabrication in the u.s i think so you know uh traditional sales boat from uh for instance uh beneto are now built in uh I believe it's in North Carolina, um, and uh, I'm sure there'll be um, some local uh, brands emerging uh, in the multi-hull um, segment. Um, we've always been wondering why Hobby Cat would not be involved in in uh, in this segment, and you know we have a dream at some point to talk to them when we can stand on our feet and fly and and engage and. They took some other direction with with kayaking, but uh, they should have probably built that boat. You know, they should have probably expanded. Um, uh, they went pretty high in the chain with the FX, and uh, and and so uh, yeah. And I believe there is an opportunity for the U.S. to develop uh, uh, elements and subassemblies. Like we talk about foils, we talk about rigs, we talk about sails. So that uh, at some point, and I, and and that will probably come through the Americas Cup, you know, from from the top, and maybe some initiative from the bottom, like like yours, like Pensacola Association, attracting uh, attracting uh, companies. 
So that's also the reason why you're so excited to uh, join your, your initiative, Tim. Well, I am optimistic about it, and I'm glad that you see that there is a reason for optimism for having that fabrication expand in the U.S., and we really feel like we have the right ecosystem for it in terms of production costs, cost of living for families, and waterfront, and uh, just really a good package to attract some attention from expanders that need to build more product. Absolutely. Yeah, it's not a question of capabilities. It's more a question of, uh, you know, mindshare. And this is this is going, as I said, there's some high-level initiative with with the America's Cup both and the AC40. And uh, and I think we need a couple of uh, grassroots initiative like what you're doing. And uh, that will build sufficient interest to grow the segments and manufacturers and and. Uh, builders will will join you know there's there's no doubt the us is a great place to uh, to build sailboats what do you see as the the market in the us in terms of getting some penetration here and uh, see if see if you can catch interest and fire among the performance sailors in the us so uh, what we've seen so far is um I would say that the segment of the casual foilers, you know, uh, or 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 the uh, yeah, I would I would call them the casual the casual foilers and and uh, the ex experience segment. We call it experience. People looking to experience the fun of foiling, and is still pretty small but growing. So we have a lot of interest, but very few people deciding to. Um, buy a boat and so people looking um, and um, and there's a couple of issues also with uh, you know, the, 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 the sailing base you know how can you launch the boat how can you how can you bring the boat back how can you uh, replace the foil by dagger boards and I believe we need to demonstrate the boat in the US and that will make things easier because whenever we do it, it's not as complicated as it looks. And, um, and we've actually sold a Bphone 16S in uh, on the East Coast on the lake. Uh, and the boat is for sale for one reason is that his owner wants to upgrade to the carbon boat. And his owner was actually one of, of uh, I would say, uh, the contributing customers, you know. He's the one who told us the boat is great, but I would like a lighter and faster boat. I want a carbon boat. And um, the guy is a serial entrepreneur, very well known in the electronics industry. He was in three startup, which got founder of three startup, which got acquired by by Cisco and Ericsson. And um, he's passionate of uh, for speed and uh, you know. Uh, at some point, I would love connecting uh, him uh, with uh, with you and the team in Pensacola. But as soon as he sold his boat, he'll he'll buy a new carbon uh, boat. But there are not too many people like him. I believe there probably we believe there is probably more potential customers in the U.S. coming from the uh, AC40 or the ETF26, the larger foiler, and interested into a boat. I would say a grassroots performance foiler, like uh, the 16 carbon, 
or young sailor who uh, a young racer who wants to build a falling experience beside their current um, support you know when when you look into uh, um, uh, the most famous uh, sailor they all started to learn foiling and they pick a couple of platforms and um, default 16 could be one so we, we think the segment may be a little more uh, mature right now. That's why we're so interested into uh, the Pensacola initiative. It's it probably a year or two behind behind Europe. You know, France, Switzerland, Italy um, are very, uh, very mature uh, market or more mature market. Germany as well, uh, you know, with areas where the big lakes are. Um, there's, there's a stronger pool there from uh, uh, and, and more mature segments. Is there any history or any clues from how the European sailors have developed and how they entered the sport and then matured into their higher performance trajectory? It, it's hard to um, it's hard to tell. I had I had the impression, uh, especially in. Uh, um, I forgot Spain, by the way, uh, when I mentioned uh, Spain and Italy, but especially Spain is uh, is a growing segment. There are some areas of Spain where you can sail 24 months a year, and that's a big thing. Um, I would say um, the integration of uh, sailing school with um, uh, university is very strong in in uh, in in some areas of Europe. Um, but I, I think college sailing is also very solid from what I've seen. My impression is the support used in college sailing are a little old. You know, they, they need to be... Um, when my daughter did the college sailing, it was it was 420. It, it was... Uh, which, which are... It's a 70-year-old it's a boat, you know, in terms of design. It's a great boat, but at some point, it, it was not fun. It has to be fun, and I'm the. I'm wondering if the sailing in the U.S. always capture this this part of fun. I know it's very competitive. It's very strong. The Olympic class are very strong. I know actually in France we benchmark the U.S. sailing team. You know we benchmark the Olympic system. So. There are some real strengths, you know. I, maybe there is something about uh, the boat support that have been selected and and building fun in the process, and 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 foiling is foiling is fun. So that's why maybe these boats, uh, these foiling boats, uh, and the kites, the foiling kites, and the the wing uh, will have a significant role bringing new people uh, into sailing. I think we have experienced in Pensacola a surge in youth interest in sailing, which is very exciting, and we're going to have to expand our capacity to deliver instruction for that. And from the standpoint of thinking about how to make sailors, it is different and new to see sail GP and these other foiling sports, uh, foiling events, have the public attention that they're getting it is it is inspirational and i think it does draw people to the sport in a way that has not been seen before 
probably because of the speeds and the thrill aspect of it. And uh, once people are, in, are inspired and want to do it, then having a craft that they can learn on and easily find themselves foiling will be really helpful in their in their growth, I think. So that's one thing that's really, uh, one of the many things that's really exciting about your boat in the sense that you could probably accelerate your development as a high-performance sailor simply because you can go from a, a relatively traditional platform, maybe a laser or something like that, and get on a B-foil 16 and not be overwhelmed and maybe not have some of the challenges that you'd even have doing wing foiling. Would that be fair to say? Yes. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, yeah, I think so. And and maybe if you compare, I, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think the U.S. has significant issues to, to address else than it needs a couple of uh, catalyzers. You know, it needs a couple of uh, uh, initiative that can accelerate the penetration of, uh, of foiling. Um, and some have to come uh, uh, from the top. I, uh, I believe the America's Cup Challenge and the AC40 is one. What 11 Sauer did is another one. Because, uh, you know, uh, they actually beat all the European teams at their own game. And... Um, and and um, but you look at 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 Europe um, and and not only France but also Italy, Switzerland, the UK. This competitive foiling segments is much broader. You know now the mini are foiling, the um, uh, the Imoca are foiling, uh, most of the multi hugs are foiling, and so people coming from these racing classes, they're actually. Um, creating an excitement that brings new younger people into into falling and it doesn't exist in the u.s there's pockets of it in the u.s that's why i'm saying i think the u.s is uh just maybe a couple of years behind but uh the market is uh is very large we're excited we want to figure out how to make more sailors and get them into this high performance market of course, we want to make races and we also want to encourage economic development and industry and fabrication to grow in concert with that market penetration. So we're interested in all those things. Are there other models in the pipe besides the uh, foiling carbon 16 that you're considering? Or is this going to be the focus going forward as you uh, consider your market expansions? It's our current focus, but we are actually looking almost parallel now into a fiberglass version of the carbon that would have just uh, uh, fiberglass hulls, um, you know, same specifications, uh, carbon glass hulls and uh, and mast, aluminum mast, and um, uh, maybe aluminum foils that would be a, a little, uh, uh, that would be light, but not, uh, not that expensive. Um, and we could hit price points that are probably uh, 30, 30% lower. Um, and we are also looking into an entry-level boat, which could be a, a foiling laser, would be also a catamaran. Um, 11 foot is what we're looking for right now. Um, there's a couple of 
innovation on the rig that we are considering. Um, and um, that would be probably uh, 2025 boat, you know, the the fiberglass boat would be launched in 2024 and, and uh, 11 foot in 2025. We are thinking, uh, although it's it's uh, it's not fully formalized on the roadmap to an 18 foot boat, because it's a large segment. It's a segment that has uh, also a lot of interest in longer distance sailing, uh, like red, you know, experience sailing. It would be very easy to just expand the current design. And we are looking into electrification. We are thinking um, about a little electric engine that could uh, uh, that could be um, on the boat uh, just to you know leave the shore and come back when it's difficult access. You cannot sail. You have to go into more shallow water with your foil. Uh, or you just want to have uh, you you just want to have uh, fun in the and 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 there's no wind and go foiling with uh, with an electric uh, with an electric engine. So it, it, a couple of people on the board that regularly remind us of that that it would be nice. Um, the eleven boat could be a, a great platform to do that, and we are actually the eleven foot boat. We're actually thinking to integrate electrification into the uh, into the uh, uh, statement of work. Interesting. Now, I can't imagine that you haven't talked to the people at Melga's and thought about putting foils under scows in uh, in Minnesota. Is there any consideration for that to happen with the with the boats that are built up there and sailed in the Midwest? Not, not really. You know, there's a lot of people doing that very well in France. There's a lot of designers and architects with that actually put foil on scars. Uh, actually, got the inspiration from the U.S. scars, from the body merge scars, into first traditional sailboats. And I remember very well the first one was probably about seven years ago. It was a mini class, and the architect is called David Raison. Well, like reason in the in the US. And he got this idea that the scow would be faster and um, uh, longer sailing and uh, especially for a small boat. Now, most of the mini are scows and um, uh, about 10% of them are foiling. They're still, you know, uh, and the one that are foiling are much faster and winning all the races. And so it will come. And then it has expanded into class 40 and Amoka. All the newest Amokas are scars. And, uh, you know, 11 Sour is actually in between because it had a different program. It, the program was in the ocean race. Um, so I think it's it's coming. And there's a couple of uh, cruising boats now that have adopted this car design. Um, not one with foils yet, but it will eventually come. It, it seems both are very compatible. And, you know, an architect will tell you why better than I would, but it's very clear that it has been demonstrated in uh, Mini and uh, Class 40 and 60. Yeah, very exciting. We'll have to find new owners for our big non-foiling cruisers and upgrade to faster foiling 
cruising boats for yeah, faster I transit. Mean, or, or, you know, upgrade uh, an East Cow design to Fuller. You know, it, it would. It, it, and um, there's actually um, uh, a two-person uh, sailboat that looks like a scow uh, uh, for for sailing school in. Uh, um, it, it, there's there's already a couple of people looking at this in in Europe. So there's a um, there is a, a, a boat. Uh, I think it's called Peacock, and it looks like it looks more as a fireball than a scow. But do you remember the fireball? Uh, yes, I love the fireballs. It was one yeah. of the yeah yeah beautiful boats. And so there are a couple of uh, foilers, a small foilers that looks like the fireball with a little more volume under. And so they are in between a scow and a fireball, but I I think it will eventually come. I just think that this would is... be a great example. You know, that would be fantastic. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's such an exciting time to see these innovations. I mean, I don't know. I've sailed since I was uh, you know in the seventies, and things have been kind of static really for a while and then really there's just been this explosion of design considerations and just everything is on the move the sails are different the considerations of sail control is, are different the hull forms are all over the place um, it's really exciting and it i just can't help but think it is going to be that excitement and that innovation is going to attract more attention and more people are going to be drawn to the sport I, I I agree totally, and you know what's uh, what's exciting also at the at the top of the pyramid, um, you are seeing um, large companies, uh, technology companies joining the sport, not only as sponsored as sponsors, but to participate into the innovation, whether it's electronics or or uh, boat design, you know. Uh, the Mercedes Formula One team is uh, helping the uh, British uh, AC Challenge. Um, Red Bull is helping the Swiss Challenge and uh, the Red Bull Formula One team. And uh, a couple of the other teams are actually looking to sailing uh, as a diversification. Um, and there's a lot of opportunities to also learn from there and, and, and share and um I think uh, eventually some of these improvements uh, will uh, will uh, cascade down, and uh, we we probably need, if anything, you've mentioned it earlier in the discussion. Uh, we we need a broader industry base in the U.S., not only powerboat, right? It's the U.S. is very powerboat. When I when I buy a powerboat, I'm going to buy a U.S. powerboat. I don't have the boat I'm looking for in in France or anywhere else in Europe. If I buy a sailboat, it's more likely going to be a French or British or Italian sailboat because there is much less offering in the US and the offering is a little classic or traditional not classic but traditional on the on the edge of being outdated and uh, so I, I I think that's probably the biggest opportunity uh, for this industry uh, to uh, to expand its base. Well, we certainly believe that, and um, 
And we're going to do everything we can to figure out how to assist industry that is advanced in Europe to consider entry into the U.S. manufacturing market to get a footprint here. And of course, we really want to help companies with a product like yours also get a footprint in the U.S. because just exposing these new boats to the U.S. market will result in some conversion, no doubt. We'll be able to pull in paddle boarders, uh, kayakers, all sorts of proto and, and pre-sailor um, avatars, I think we can expose to these new platforms and they will be drawn in. So we've got to do what we can at you know the ground level to make it accessible for companies like yours that have new innovations to get into this market space so we can accelerate the sport in the U.S. We may never catch up to Europe, but um, we would certainly hope to get a much broader participation of recreational, experiential, and of course, the racing sailing segments. Uh, and, and, you know, I like what you're doing, uh, what you're thinking uh, uh, to develop around university projects. Um, as And I believe maybe the next phase, and I'm sure uh, um, there's some people in the U.S., uh, uh, they're already thinking about it, but how could we uh, how could we start with college sailing? You know, as in uh, in in uh, Europe, a lot of the sailing schools have already integrated uh, wing foil, kite, and a foiler boat uh, into their offering, and um, they are generally not depending on college. You know, it's it's. In, in the U.S., the university sport and the college sport is very strong, much stronger than in, in Europe. In Europe, it's uh, independent schools. They are generally linked to the uh, federation, you know, the, the sailing federation. Um, but they, they need, we need to think about that and what would be uh, the right boat. may not be the B416 initially, but maybe there'll be the B411, you know, and um, but... Uh, like the laser right now, you know, and and all the uh, all the four twenty. Yeah, very exciting stuff. Well, tell me more about what your presentation will encompass in Pensacola on September sixteenth, and and what you plan to show and tell us there. Uh, so it's uh, it's going to be uh, our plan is to have a forty five minutes presentation at the at the max that would. Um, Focus on um, the um, the company. You know, just a little bit about who we are and who is the team. Uh, go a little deeper into the the concept of the B416 carbon, especially around you know sailing uh, in a traditional uh, way in F16 and 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 foiling and going from one to the other in less than 30 minutes. Uh, with a boat that has basically won every F16, uh, Formula 16, uh, Class 16 race this year. Um, and um, and so uh, with a couple of uh, very exciting uh, videos that, uh, that, will, uh, that will support that. Um, and uh, I'll talk a little bit about... Uh, the de business development. What's our focus? We we only have five 
uh, main business development initiative. So I'll talk a little bit about them and then I'll talk about the default ambassador program, which is a program where we offer uh, a default 16 carbon at a very low price point. And we are expecting um, our, uh, our client to be able to provide us some feedback, participate into uh, um, uh, some uh, marketing uh, communication initiative and be eventually available for a couple of trials um, and then have a boat with all the technical support from the B4 racing team and, and deep discounts on uh, hardware and accessories um, and, um, and, and have ideally we would love to have one of these boats in, uh, in Pensacola, you know, potentially we have one on the East coast, but we would love to have one in, in Pensacola as a future outcome of, uh, of this presentation. And then have uh, the racing team joining me. So uh, the two uh, uh, world champion sailors, uh, they've won basically everything in 16 foot catamaran that you can think of. And also the architect of the boat I mentioned earlier, who's designed this boat and uh, before the Flying Phantom and the ETF 26 and uh, is also very experienced from 16 f16 racer so i have these three people with me in the presentation and if i can answer a question they'll uh they'll chime in now if there are racers uh in the uh in the attendance they would love to connect with uh eric and emmanuel and if they haven't uh, uh connected with them yet i think they would love to uh, i hope to build some uh connection out of it Yes, for sure. We are going to stream it. We're going to stream your presentation and uh, all of the folks that join you by remote to our YouTube and Facebook channels. And we are going to market it to U.S. yacht clubs and, and classes, sailing classes that we can reach so that we can really expose your brand and, and your championship sailors to the U.S. market in a more effective way than depending on an in-person visit to every single one of those locations in the U.S. So we're going to try to use the technology for that. Well, I'm really excited about you coming to Pensacola and so look forward to what you're going to bring in terms of discussion and energy. And it's going to be a, a fantastic discussion. I think we're so interested in the possibility of your ambassador program and, and really assisting getting a boat in the water for year-round demo capability in Pensacola. So we're going to love to talk about that. Your presentation is on September 16th at the Jetty IoT in Pensacola, Florida. It's going to be at 10 a.m. Central Daylight Time. Thank you so much, Harvey, for chatting about the BFOIL 16, and I look forward to visiting with you in person and also giving you a little tour of the Pensacola Bay. Until then, I'm wishing you perfect pressure, low chop, and all the lift you need to foil more. Thank you and see you soon, Tim.
on the way to becoming the North American epicenter of high-performance sailing, Sail Pensacola is orchestrating initiatives that make recreational and professional sailors, local, regional, national, and international races, and sailing technology jobs in the Pensacola Bay sailing ecosystem. At Sail Pensacola, we say, sailing is our business. Visit our website at sailpensacola.org.